Welcome to the Big Red Zone podcast episode four. Man, it has been a minute since I've said those words and I'm so happy to be saying them again. I'm one of your hosts, Max. I'm your other host, Brad. Hello, hello. Rowie, your third host here also. We are all here ready to bring you the absolute best football analysis that exists on this planet. But first, how are you guys doing? It's been a minute since we, we've caught up with the audience. It's been at least two minutes for sure. I'm doing well, Max. You know, semester's been keeping us a little busy, but not busy enough to discuss the NFL draft, which is the topic we are going to be bringing you guys today. We are all three of us pride ourselves on being draft aficionados, draft connoisseurs. Everything we say today, you can take as an absolute fact. You can take it to the bank, and that's right, Roy. And we've got a really good show for you today. And I think we're going to start off with talking about quarterbacks. I mean, the main focus of every draft, right? Yeah, I mean, really, this year it's all about those teams at at the top. Who's going to do what? I mean, to start off with, guys, really the big question on everyone's mind. Who's going number one? I mean, it's not really a question. (laughs) It's an answer. And that answer is kind of embarrassing you had to ask that question. Mitch Trubisky, number one pick? (laughs) I mean, I mean, the question is, no bias. I said this in the very first episode I was here, no bias. The, peop, the teams choosing a quarterback are looking and asking for, to themselves, who will be the next Justin Herbert? Who will be the next Pepsi Zero Sugar Rookie of the Year? That is exactly what they're thinking. They're certainly not asking who's going to be the next Tom Brady, Patrick Mahomes, Aaron Rodgers. No. Who is the next Justin Herbert? That is very apt analysis there. Yes. But the question we choose to ask is, who is the next Jamarcus Russell? Who is the next Denzel Jared Perry. Goff? Who is the next Denzel? It's unfair to play, be putting the GOAT in the conversation with those busts. But, okay, joking aside, we know who's the number one pick this year. Who, who? Drum roll, drum roll. Are we ready? Max Joe. I'm kidding. Trevor Lawrence. <laughs> Trevor Lawrence has been the number one pick since he took the field this year, and really probably since last year. Uh, I was really tanked for Trevor, but what do you guys think? Like, he's already donated to, to Jacksonville Charities. They literally use his silhouette uh, on their Instagram. But do you guys think, like, he's worth the hype? Will he be that everyone, what everyone is saying he'll be? That's a really good question. I mean, when you look at what people are saying, they're saying he's a once-in-a-generation talent, that he's going to be... Just as good as Mahomes, if not better. Better than Brady because he's better innate talent and that he has, and he can clutch up in big games. I don't know. I I think he's going to be good. I think he's certainly going to be a franchise quarterback. I don't think you get that praise if you're not going to be. That being said, I hope he achieves it because I always love good competition. and like you know Being in a league where Tom Brady is about to leave and Aaron Rodgers is on his way out in the next five-ish years or so, I'd really love to see Mahomes and T-Law battling it out, both in the AFC, for like the next foreseeable future. That being said, there's been a lot of hype around quarterbacks recently. And, uh, Andrew Luck, he was good, don't get me wrong, but he wasn't as good as people projected him to be. So, personally, I'm cautiously optimistic. I think Trevor Lawrence, coming into the you know Jaguars, it's pretty safe to say, has a taller task ahead of him than Patrick Mahomes did with the Chiefs or Andrew Luck did with the Colts. And what I mean by that is that Patrick Mahomes going to the Chiefs, Andrew Luck to the Colts, the Colts and the Chiefs are two teams. They're two storied franchises. They're two franchises with culture, with history of great coaching, 
and a history of winning Super Bowl championships. They came to a team that was already established in this league. You know, Alex Smith had a phenomenal season the year before Patrick Mahomes started. Andy Reid was already the coach. Um, Andrew Lux, to some extent, came on the heels of the Peyton Manning era, whereas Trevor Lawrence has to turn around to Jacksonville Jaguars organization that's been somewhat of a laughing stock at the NFL. Aside from that one year they made a playoff one with Blake Bortles, they've been somewhat of a laughing stock of the NFL. Really no culture, kind of an insignificant, that team that you almost consider as your second bye week when they're on your schedule. <laughs> he has a much taller task ahead, and that's what mainly concerns me about Trevor Lawrence. For anyone facing that sort of limelight, spotlight, I don't know that he'll be able to do it. Well, I think the true tall task ahead of Trevor Lawrence is beating out Gardner Minshew for the starting quarterback position of the Jacksonville Jaguars because he's the incumbent and he's got... Actually, their hairs are pretty comparable. I'm not the mullet against Trevor Lawrence's uh, flow. It, it is a tight competition, but I honestly think that with all of this pressure being put on Trevor Lawrence, I personally, in the excessive amount of film I've watched on him as you said we're all draft connoisseurs I don't think he'll be as good as people are hyping him up to be and I mean when I mean when I say that I'm sure he's going to be a starting quality quarterback he really has all the talent in the world but all those expectations if you look at what he did at Clemson this past year and I mean even the year before that like he he wasn't he was a star obviously but like he didn't always flash that tantalizing potential. He didn't always flash the arm strength. He didn't always flash accuracy. And he said it himself. If there's a video of him like throwing at a net and just completely missing. He was never the most accurate quarterback. Like, And I think that if the right combination of things goes right, or goes wrong, technically, he might not fully pan out. And that is a, sort of a hot take because people are sort of pra piling praise upon him. But what I mean when I say not pan out... I can see him very realistically not being the top quarterback of this class. And that's really my prediction. I think other quarterbacks who we'll get into later will be better than him simply because with this much pressure, it's going to be hard to, to meet up. So, you know, looking beyond the first pick, who's, who's, who's the second pick? Is it, is it Justin Fields? Is it Trey Lance? I, I don't personally think it's going to be Mac Jones. They, who, who, who would y'all say is going to be QB number two? Well, experts such as ourselves have basically said that the draft starts at three, and that's because basically it's, it's almost a lock that uh, Zach Wilson from BYU goes at number two. Do you guys agree with that? Do you see that happening? And what do you think of him? I definitely do see that happening. I just don't know that he, T2 is a guy that I have a lot of questions about. The first thing is, um, I don't know that this really warrants a knock, but I've heard that he comes from, I think he's the, the nephew or something, a family relative, in any case, of the CEO of JetBlue. Um, you know, BYU, he, he's coming, I think, from, uh, you know, he's coming to a city where he's going to get the spotlight in New York City, right? The New York Jets. Um, the amount of brand and PR that he's going to be able to do there is going to be expansive. I think he's a guy who's always sort of had that limelight on him at BYU. I think he comes from a family that's to some extent always had some like public recognition and focus on them. I feel like to some extent, uh, the, the amount of hype he's going to get coming to New York, I feel like he might just be like a spoiled child there. And I don't know that he'll be able to handle it. 
A guy that I'd compare him to is Josh Rosen. People always question Josh Rosen and whether or not he was coming from that spoiled LA culture. Um, there was that video that surfaced before his draft of him just sitting in a hot tub in his dorm <laughs> in a, in a blow up jacuzzi. Was it? You know, Zach Wilson. Not saying he's like that. I don't know the guy, so obviously I'm not going to speculate too much. Just from you know outside looking in, it seems like potentially we have another Josh Rosen type guy in the making. That's my concern. So here's here's my main concern. Uh, regardless of Zach Wilson's talent, the New York Jets, especially in the last five years, but really historically, have been absolutely terrible at running the organization, just getting talent around quarterbacks that are good and really getting to the big games, those playoff games. So I am concerned for Zach Wilson that regardless of how good he may be, I don't know that we're actually going to see it because of just the disarray and dysfunction that comes with the New York Jets. What what do you guys think? Well, I think that what the Jets are hoping for is that this offseason they turn the corner with their new head coach, uh, with their GM, who is also relatively new. They want to believe that they're rebuilding this organization from the top down. And basically, they want to believe that they have the front office necessary to compete And now they want to build the team to compete. And to them, clearly, Zach Darnold was not the guy to lead them there. And it looks like they hope that Zach Wilson will beat. But the thing is with him, that that really raises so many questions. It's like, as we mentioned, he comes from BYU. It's not the biggest school. Uh, They had a great record this last year. But they were basically playing really bad competition. Their one big game was against Coastal Carolina. They lost uh, that. Yeah, Zach, Zach Wilson got smoked in that. By did, the way, did you see that video of him just getting harassed by those two linemen against Coastal Carolina? Yes, I did. Poor Zach, dude. Way to, way to battle that out, man. I, I apologize. Maybe dude, he will fit well with New York. Maybe yeah. so. Yeah, and I mean, his whole hype basically comes from one throw that he made in his throw day. Which is funny because Zach Darm Zach... Sam Darnold, he basically made that same throw in-game and no one was talking about it. So, Zach Wilson, he sort of comes with that bad boy attitude. He's like, he wants to be that guy with the chip on his shoulder. No one wants to see me succeed, but I will succeed. Uh, Like you said, Josh Rosen was sort of that guy. Uh, We'll see if Zach Wilson overcomes it. The Jets seem to believe in him, so. I mean, I've... The, my, my previous monologue was all speculation. I kind of knocked on Zach Wilson. I feel like that's unfair. I will say, being another you know guy of smaller stature, he's another like Drew Brees type build. I gotta you know I, I gotta show my love to those type of guys. He has that small guy chip on his shoulder. He's not as tall as uh, Trevor Lawrence. He's not as athletic and big as Justin Fields may be, but man, does he have an arm. He's an accurate quarterback. Say what you will about the division he played in. You know, he, he does have an arm. I think his arm talent will help him ultimately. But I agree with you, Max, and there's something to be said actually, and there may be a pattern here about the Jets being suckers for pro days. I mean, I, re- I think back to Sam Darnold's pro day, and I remember when he was throwing in the rain, and he made some very impressive pro throws in his pro day, in the rain and that's all everyone talked about like look at how he's throwing in the rain imagine how you know he's going to handle the the you know the inclement weather that new york brings you know near the coast and ultimately really that didn't pan out i'm wondering again if you know zach wilson's uh flashy pro day that even trevor lawrence commented on 
um, is going to, you know, the, the Jets are falling into the same trap. I just want to say that I don't think Sam Darnold, I don't think we know who Sam Darnold is. We definitely I, don't. I go back to what I said about the Jets being a dysfunctional organization. Look, I'm not going to sit here and say that Sam Darnold is a Patrick Mahomes, is even, I wouldn't even say he's a Russell Wilson or like anybody like on that level. Not even close, obviously. That being said, I think he could be a decent franchise quarterback. I just feel like he has never been given the chance. And, like, you know, we saw him get traded to the Panthers. And I sit here wondering, I don't know if the Panthers is going to be that much better than the Jets. Like, are we ever going to really see what Sam Darnold could be if he had a team built around him? Well, just I'm, a question. I'm gonna I'm gonna argue on the whole Panthers versus Jets thing. Uh, this is sort of a, a sidetrack, so I don't want to spend too much time on it. But I think the Panthers are headed in the right direction. DJ Moore. I yeah, DJ Moore, uh, Robbie Anderson, good receiving duo. Christian McCaffrey. Christian McCaffrey. Actually, obviously. Robbie Anderson reunion for Sam Darnold. Yeah, which we'll see how happy of a reunion that <laughs> is. But uh, but both coming from the Jets, both survivors of Gase, as the saying goes. But um, actually, and, think, and that's hard to survive. Let me yeah. Play. I think Sam Donald's going to prove a lot of people wrong, to be honest. I think he's he's got a great arm. He does have turnover concerns, which he did not ease in the last few years. But I think he's a really talented guy, and I think he might be the Panthers' missing piece. Uh, and we'll see. So, wait. So, on that note, um, to kind of piggyback off Max, Ryan Tannehill also left the Gase umbrella and is now, you could say, flourishing. I'd, I'd call him a top-ten mm-hmm. quarterback in Tennessee. Um, at the time, Vrabes, my, uh, Vrabel over there in Tennessee was a newer coach, kind of like Matt Rule, though he did come from an NFL Bill Belichick lineage. But nonetheless, it, it'll be interesting to see if Sam Darnold can turn his career around. So I think a larger question we have to ask is, think we're going to see any teams trade up, draft a quarterback? Well, we, 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 we've already seen one. And I mean, that that's sort of where the question begins. Like We, we talked about the first few picks. We sort of take the boxes uh really the much greater discussion comes in what's happening after and that comes in the form of the san francisco 49ers they traded up with the dolphins for that third pick uh that was once in the in the texans deal um there have been a lot of smoke screens the the 49ers if they're known for one thing in this recent era it's it's about the fake out right like that's how their offense runs with all these jet sweeps and motions Debo. yeah Debo samuel uh he's a Debo. man um you know, that's what their front office has done consistently. John Lynch, you know, saying one thing, going the other way. And we've been hearing a lot in the last few weeks about how they love Mac Jones. How he's their guy. He's their Jimmy G replacement. He will be the man who lead them to the promised land. And and so I'm seeing this, and I'm not sure I believe it. They're, they're known for these fakeouts uh, with the draft. And Mac Jones, you know... He's probably the most NFL-ready guy, to be honest, apart from maybe Trevor Lawrence. He's super accurate. Uh, he was at this big program in Bama, protected by a great offensive line, but he set completion percentage records. And if that's the guy they're looking for, right, this sort of game manager, basically who Jimmy G was for them in their Super Bowl run, but better, it could be Mac Jones. But I think that they're faking all of us out. I think they might actually go a different direction. Because I don't think they want this like game manager type anymore. I think they want some dynamics. 
Uh, they want a guy who can maybe run a little bit, add a new element to Shanahan's system. And I think this all might just be one big fake out to lead them to take either Justin Fields or maybe even Trey Lance, as has been speculated. When I think of Mac Jones, I think about the grimace on Bill Belichick's face when you saw him miss that throw in the pro day. Have you seen that video? Yeah. When he's going long, Mac Jones, you know, misses the deep target and Bill Belichick couldn't who's usually Mr. Poker Face just lets out like a little, you know, shake of the head that says it all. Yeah, not I mean not to be a sucker for pro days, but basically all of his deep throws he underthrew, which speaks to I mean not really a lack of arm talent, but just like a lack of dynamicism. Hey, as someone who also over uh, underthrows every single deep ball, you can say that again. So yeah. you're going with, to, with the thirty with the third pick to the San Francisco 49ers is what you're trying well, to say. Well, all, all what I was saying is that I also saw a similar grimace, a Belichick grimace on Brad's face over here when you mentioned, uh, you know, Mac Jones or Trey Lance being that guy. So, Brad, what are your thoughts on uh, the 49ers pick? I don't know. I just think that Mac Jones is not who everybody thinks he is. Don't get me wrong. I think he'll be a competent quarterback. I think he'll be who Jimmy G is exactly. Some people say Jimmy G is elite. Some disagree. Point is, he got to the big game and he couldn't pull it off. And I think, at most, that's what we're going to see for Mac Jones. I mean, I don't know. When you think about Mac Jones, he's at Bama. And Nick Saban, phenomenal coach. Like, like really, really phenomenal coach. And he always has a good team. And good program out there. I'm just left sitting here wondering was how much of his success in Bama was Mac Jones and how much of it was Nick Saban and the rest of their team? And how much of it was Devonta Smith or Najee Harris and all these other guys? Jalen Waddle, Henry Ruggs, Jerry I'm, Judy. I'm no NFL player. I'm not in a position to say that he's going to be bad necessarily. I just do think that there's a lot of question marks here as to whether it was him who was great there or whether it was the system he's probably not carrying a team is what we're trying to say he's not that you know uh that justin herbert type that's basically gonna will your team to wins he's a game manager right he's sort of in that alex smith mold no disrespect to alex smith not the greatest arm talent uh not the most dynamic with his legs you know he's got a little bit of a dad bod so represent to all the fellow dad bod people out there but Final call, 49ers on the clock. Who are they taking? I think they go with Trey Lance. I agree with you, Max. I think this is a Mac Jones fakeout. And honestly, I don't know much about Trey Lance. I haven't watched as much tape as you have, Max. I know you spend your your, yep, your days and I'm afternoons and nights. Yep. Yep, you watch, know Max. Watching the tape. Classic Max. But, you know, as someone who I, hasn't watched Yeah, as, as someone, I, I'm I'm in the, the North Dakota State uh, University uh, football program, you know? I mean, the last guy we saw come out of North Dakota State who was a top quarterback was Carson Wentz. Yep. And Carson Wentz also, you know, has that dynamic uh, legs. He, too, could get a fresh start, somewhat similar to Sam Darnold, somewhat different. I think that Trey Lance also is somewhat in that mold. A guy who can make plays on the run. I don't know that Mac Jones can do that as well. And I think Shanahan's definitely looking uh, to, to switch things up. Just imagine how deadly it'd be running some sort of read option with you know Trey Lance being able to run. George Kittle, one of the best blocking tight ends in all of football. Uh, Debo coming in for the jet sweep. I love the idea of that sort of offense that you know Sean McVay lineage. I, I definitely see Trey Lance happening. 
I'm going to disagree with you. I mean, I fully agree with all of your uh, all of your commentary there, but I think the 49ers picking Justin Fields. I've just heard, I've seen many reports saying that they really love the guy, and I think that, you know, he's nothing too special, but he'll get the job done. I think he's a perfect combination of being enough of a game manager that he's not going to lose him a game, but also some of that elusive talent that he could make plays and go beyond the game managing. From what I've seen, they like him. I like the fit. I'm calling Justin Fields to the 49ers. Yeah, I mean, Ju- Justin Fields and Trey Lance, they're sort of, uh, they're, they're sort of in the opposite uh, direction of Mac Jones. Trey Lance is this massive guy. He's He comes from a smaller school, supposedly has a cannon of an arm, and can run. And I mean, instantly when I hear that, I think Josh Allen. That's sort of the, the new mold of quarterback. Not this pocket passer, this elusive guy who can make plays with his legs and has that big arm that can sort of compete with Herbert, Mahomes, Allen, all of these big names. Don't don't rule out the fact that, you know, nobody calls just uh, no, nobody calls Josh Allen a running quarterback. Like, that's not who he is. But if you've looked at his playoff games and some of his regular season games, his legs are certainly a weapon for him. Yeah, definitely getting me those fantasy points with his so, legs. So, just want to add that even if you get, like, like somebody who has the quarterbacking level of um, Jimmy Garoppolo, let's say, but can also do what he's doing with his legs, that's a really good quarterback to have in the playoff game. Did, did y'all see him jump over Anthony Barr? That, yes. that was crazy. Yes, in the, was ga- crazy. in the game versus the Minnesota Vikings, right? That was crazy. That was crazy when he did that. And I also remember listening to the sound effects of Joey Bosa. Some of the, I believe, can't don't remember this. As perfectly. an aside, Joey Bosa has the best sound effects, just saying. Yeah, love it, love it. But definitely check it out if you haven't. Joey Bosa versus the Bills sound effects. Little plug. Anyway, I remember in his sound effects, you know, some of the line were, were getting on him about potentially trying to injure Josh Allen. Obviously, that wasn't Joey Bosa's intent. But he said, you know, the guy's so darn big, like I have to bring him down somehow. He's a huge guy, so definitely backing you up on that, Max. But back to Justin Fields. I was watching the Pat McAfee podcast the other day, and Dan Orlovsky um, was talking about Justin Fields and some of the reports he heard about Justin Fields. And one thing stood out to me, then again, cannot confirm or deny this. Unlike Max, I do not have an extensive network of NFL insiders. But in any case, he mentioned that Justin Fields is kind of the last guy in first guy out kind of guy he's not the hardest worker he's not the guy who really like you know lives and breathes football that really seeks out to the fullest extent um trying to perfect his game complete hearsay don't know the guy but there is something concerning that maybe even one or two people are potentially mentioning that yeah uh when i think of justin fields uh for my vast series of insiders you know um because there are many yeah there are so many uh couldn't even begin to name them all I don't really think of that. I think of the guy who basically got injured halfway through the the game against Clemson, the playoff game, this last year. Uh, Got injured, you could clearly see. uh, He was absolutely bothered. Came back out on the field, putting his body on the line, and made some absolute beautiful throws to basically will his Ohio State team to the uh, national championship game. And yes, he did get slaughtered by Mac Jones, but... Justin Fields has a massive arm. He can make plays with his legs. Uh, the sort of knock on him is like Ohio State quarterbacks have never succeeded in the NFL. I think that's a little bit BS. I think Justin Fields has sort of always been second best to Trevor Lawrence. In it, They were in the same class. 
Uh, he's consistently been outshined by Trevor Lawrence. Uh, and I think he's ready to prove the people wrong. And I personally think that the Niners want to go someone with a little who is a little bit more NFL ready than Trey Lance is, who is very raw, but who will provide them some of this dynamicism. I keep saying that word. I don't even know if it's a real word, but I personally think that the Niners are throwing smoke screens and they will take Justin Fields at number three. I personally think he will be the best quarterback of this class. So at number four is, I think, the first pick where we potentially escape the QB realm. We have the Atlanta Falcons at four, which is a very rare pick, uh, rare for them to be picking this early in the draft. Um, Kyle Pitts is said to be the best non-quarterback prospect in this draft. He's a monster. If you look at his like pro day videos, the dude is absolutely insane. Many a mock have him going at four. What we disregard our mocks. We have a. We stick close to home, you know. We we don't rely on we other don't need people any to mocks. give us our knowledge. I sincerely apologize for bringing up mocks. Redact that statement. <laughs> Consider what do redacted. you guys think? What do you guys think? I my hot take is that if the Niners let Justin Fields slip past them, I believe that the New England Patriots are trading up to the fourth pick to take Justin Fields. No and, bias. No bias whatsoever. No, I swear. No, no bias. If you the Niners and the Pats were two of the first teams to attend Justin Fields' second pro day. He is one of the guys who had held two pro days. He was like, I want to show what I can do day in, day out. The Niners were one of the teams. Obviously, they're closely scouting him. The Pats, from what I've heard, they seem to love the guy. I think he, Cam Newton would be a fantastic player from him, for him to learn from, basically. And I think that if he slips past the Niners... The Pats will do everything in their power to take their next jet, uh, basically quarterback who can lead them for the next X15 number of years. Now, I believe if the Falcons stay, if they can't find a trade decent enough, enough, they will take Kyle Pitts because Julio is getting a little up there. They have Calvin Ridley, their receiver of the future. They want more offensive weapons because Matt Ryan's sticking around for the next few years. But I personally think they will do everything in their power to make a trade trade down and basically rebuild their offense for at least a few more contending years with the current core. I mean, you said that the Pats and the Niners was it attended Kyle Pitts. Whenever Justin I, Fields, I yeah. mean, whenever there's a Zoom meeting I have to attend, I'm not the first one in the room. It doesn't mean I don't care about the meeting, you know. That's I cannot emphasize enough to all our listeners that I do not have the extensive uh, insider network that Max has. Bill Belichick basically told me himself. So, so very much. So I, I would argue that Max knows more than Bill Belichick. For sure, for sure. So once again, I could just be speaking complete baloney. But you know, all of these like uh, they attended the meeting first. Oh, they were wearing white shoes to the pro day. Like all that, you know, we can kind of toss that aside. I think that the Falcons stay at four. I think when you have the best player in the draft, in my opinion, I think Kyle Pitts is a better player than Trevor Lawrence. Um, don't quote me on that, please. But yeah, <laughs> I will quote you on that actually. All right, that's fair the enough. caption of our next Instagram. Fair post. enough. Fair enough. Fair enough. I think that the Falcons get um, get Kyle Pitts. Don't forget that they do. I believe have Hayden Hurst. You mentioned they do have Julio, Calvin Ridley. I think Matt Matt Ryan is a guy who are people, you know, there, there's been some sort of slight tangent discussion on Matt Ryan, whether or not he's a Hall of Fame quarterback. My thing with Matt Ryan is the Falcons cannot seem to spoil him enough. 
He's played with all these types of, you know, he's played with Hall of Famers like Gonzalez. Julio Jones is probably a Hall of Famer. They have Calvin Ridley now, um, you know, mind. Hayden Hurst. And now they're going to get him Kyle Pitts. I don't, I don't know if you want to put Hayden Hurst in the same keep, breath keep, as those keep, guys. Keep, but. Keep, keep in mind, Tom Brady won Super Bowls with Wes Welker and Julian Edelman. Hey, no bias. No bias. And no Matt bias. Ryan has Julio Jones, Calvin Ridley, and can't get to a playoff game. Just just food for thought. Yeah, but I they extended his contract. He's there for at least another year. Matty if they want to go quarterback, they would probably go a little bit raw, a little bit more potential. I can possibly see them taking Trey Lance. Uh, I can possibly see them taking a defender like Micah Parsons, for example, the top linebacking prospect in this draft, rebuild that edge rush a little bit. Uh, I can't, at this pick, I can't really see them taking anything else, like a corner, for example, probably a little bit too high for like Patrick Sertain, J.C. Horn, something like that, which is why I think they're going to try their best to trade down. But I agree with you. Kyle Pitts is an absolute monster. He's a tight end by classification only because he also blocks a little bit. Uh, he's really a receiver. I can see him having 1,000-yard seasons basically for the next 10 years. I just think we should slow our roll a little bit. I think the Kyle Pitts, Devonta Smith, both going to be great contributors in the NFL. But keep in mind, there is there is always a transition from yeah, college absolutely. play to NFL. And I think they'll be really good, but let's just not expect a thousand yard seasons necessarily. I think that if the Kyle game, Pitts retired. After next season, he's a Hall of Famer. <laughs> oh, absolutely. Oh, like first ballot. And, I mean, staying on the very reasonable take, you know, things we know for sure. Uh, basically jumping from there, right? At four, at three and four, I think the draft becomes really interesting. After that, it's really anybody's guess, except our guess, because we know everything. So, well, guys. correction. You know everything. And I tell what I know to you guys. So let's just, let's jump around a little bit, right? Who are some of the intriguing players? Who are some of the intriguing picks? We don't really want the show to last days, so we won't go through every single pick one by one. Who who are like, like where do you see some of the big name players falling? What teams do you see filling holes? Three the of the round? biggest or most interesting players to me in this draft, aside from the quarterbacks, aside from future Hall of Famer, 100%, uh, bona fide, tight end, best in the league after next year, Kyle Pitts. Aside from those guys, the top three players I see, or the most interesting players I see, are Patrick Sertain, Caleb Farley, and J.C. Horn. I'm very interested to see those those three guys. I feel like it's rare cornerbacks, cornerbacks. that we see the top three DBs in this class so close together. More often, we see like a Jalen Ramsey who's clearly out of the pack. Yep. You know you're taking Jalen Ramsey early, right? This case, it's sort of anyone's guess. As of late, J.C. Horn's been rising through the draft rankings. It started off with Caleb Farley, then Patrick Sertain, now J.C. Horn. Seems to even have leapfrogged both of them into a yep. lot of top ten in a lot of mocks that don't matter whatsoever to us, right? Because, Max, you know everything, nope. and it's purely our, our guesses. But I think that, personally, as a guy who lost, whose team lost, Casey Hayward, uh, who was a great cornerback uh, for us, I would love to see us take one of those three guys. But I think a lot of other teams... Can like... any of them play a linebacker by any chance to fill the massive void left by Denzel Perryman? 
I think nothing can I don't think any, I was okay, going to say anything. All right, keep going, keep going. Not Stupid awesome. question. Stupid I mean, question. personally, I love J.C. Horn. I was looking earlier today on PFF, and only one wide receiver has more than – has uh, in man coverage on J.C. Horn has been able to acquire more than 50 yards, and that's Heisman Trophy winner Devonta Smith. He's covered guys like Jalen Waddle, I believe Jamar Chase, don't quote me on that, a lot of other really great guys – and they haven't been able to get above 50 yards over him. That's a spectacular resume and man coverage. Any team looking to play man should draft this guy first. However, Patrick Sertain, you know, a big, long quarterback, same uh, cornerback, same with Caleb Farley. Should be very interesting to see how these guys get picked. So so which teams do you, can you sort of see taking them? Like, which teams have that need of a lockdown corner on defense? I think the Dallas Cowboys have that need. I know they took Stefan Diggs' little brother, uh, yep. younger brother, in the last draft. I don't know hasn't that he's... Been great. He hasn't been great. Hasn't really panned out for them. I think that the Dallas Cowboys, you know, I think they have enough on offense right now, re-signing Dak. Their wide receiver core on paper is good. Zeke still a top running back in this league. I think their defense needs help to help them win that division. I definitely see them. I also really see the Chargers, again, taking... No bias, no bias. No bias whatsoever. Right now, Michael Davis, who had a very good season last year, but still, I don't know if he's in the CB1 category. I see the Chargers also being a very real possibility. Now, this would require a trade up, but look out for the Bucks taking him because the Bucks got burned a lot. In regular season games, Super Bowl they were immaculate. Justin Herbert, no bias. Um, but you know they got burned by some of like these top wide receivers. They traded up to take if he was available after twenty. I could see them trading up to take him. Yeah, and I mean the the good thing is there's sort of three of these top corners as you mentioned, and the tough thing about corners is a lot of times in their first year they struggle, so so it's hard to know what you what you have. Uh, but I can definitely see a lot of these cornerback-hungry teams sort of doing their part to trade up in the draft. So going off of that, we, we gave our little shout-out to defense. You know, There's that old saying, defense wins championships, but you know, defense doesn't win many eyeballs, you know? and that's what we're all about. We're all about clout here on the podcast. So uh, I'm going to spend a little bit more time to talk, to talk about some of the offensive position players. Just to give like a like a quick little nod to defense, I think that Micah Parsons is a standout defender, as I sort of already mentioned. Uh, you got his teammate Jason Owe, who was uh, who was fantastic at Penn State. Um, you have uh, Christian Barmore from Bama, the the big nose tackle. You know the, these big uh, these big in the trenches guys from these big name schools are usually pretty successful. Like. If you look at Washington's D-line, they're made up of, like, Bama products, Ohio State products. But now back to offense. Uh, and I think one of the biggest questions in this draft, uh, maybe not to most people, but I'm more plugged in than most people, is what happens at pick five? And there's sort of two two trains of thought here. Uh, one, one of the, the more flashy one is, like, Joe Burrow was great. Who was teammates with Joe Burrow? That would be Jamar Chase. He's sort of this big body receiver. I mean, I, I'm not going to say Calvin Johnson, but like in the mold of Calvin Johnson, sort of Kenny Galladay, uh, big contested cash guy. He was fantastic for LSU, even though he opted out of this last season. Uh, so that would be sort of the flashy mindset. Pat, pair Joe Burrow, make Joe Burrow as comfortable as possible in the NFL. 
make him feel like he's back at LSU. Not gonna lie, I think personally that train of thought is pretty stupid. Um, Joe Burrow is a great quarterback. I think he'll be great uh, even with sort of some not so great uh, weapons around him. Hey, and I, Tyler Boyd. Yeah, no, Tyler Boyd, uh, T. Higgins shows some flashes in his rookie year. Joe Mixon. I think they've got a ma- the makings of a pretty good offense. But Joe Burrow also tore his ACL last year because his offensive line blocked roughly as well as I could in the, in the NFL level, and that's saying something. Ma- Max, you do block, block pretty well, though. Yeah, not you, as good as Jason away, you know my, but well. my my <laughs> he's on defense. Um, my my fifteen down my fifteen pound dumbbells um have have been you know I've been hitting the gym a little bit, but I personally hey, hey, think low re- low weight sure, but high rep. High he's rep. a high rep animal. Yeah, very my, high rep. I, you said like sixty, right? Sixty. Oh yeah, rep. yeah, and I and I do workouts with each finger, so just 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 to spread it. Around. Unrelated, also single, but continue. <laughs> um. True, quick plug, at Maxime underscore G underscore 123 on Instagram. But I personally think it will be absolute blasphemy if the Bengals don't go with a generational O-line talent in this draft. And that can possibly be one of two guys. Uh, Sort of the main one before the season was Panay Sewell from Oregon. He's a monster. Before this season where he opted out, he was basically the projected number two pick for whatever team was there some of his tape he's blocking guys like it basically looks like the tackle equivalent of quentin nelson out there and then recently rising up draft boards have been northwestern's tackle rashawn slater so that midwest guy who can come in be comfortable in the cold uh and i personally think between these two guys it's a toss-up i'd probably still go with panay sewell just because of the pedigree have, have you seen that squat video yeah, yes, honestly, yes. Yeah. He's, he's a monster. But I think if the Bengals don't go with one of these two guys, uh, I don't think Joe Burrow or his knee will be a very happy camper. Hey, I just want to say, before I address your point, Max, that we live in a world of bias. There, There's a lot of bias going around these days. Is there? there there's confirmation bias, <laughs> self-serving bias, hindsight bias, even optimism bias. But here, there's no bias. You don't say. Here, there is no bias. And when I say that, I would like to bring up the fact that Penny Sewell himself, in a pre-draft interview, said it would, quote, be a dream come true to be reunited with Oregon Duck teammate Justin Herbert. I don't think he's going to last that long. I think the Bengals take him at five. I think Justin Bro is in dire need of a tackle. As much as the... You know, Jamar Chase, you know, pretty storyline, cute little storyline works out. What's a wide receiver when you don't have time to throw to him? I think that they're in need of a tackle. Penny Sewell at five is my pick. And I think that Max's vast network of insiders confirms. Just want to say, I really commend you, Roy, because there's not many fans who can put aside their bias to make such astute draft picks. It's all about sacrifice, but thank yeah. you. Thank you. Of course, well, I... I want to talk really quickly about just just one team um, who I think basically owns this draft. And in the in the pre-draft storylines, they've dominated the headlines. They've traded out of their top three pick, uh, which basically means they're a little they're sort of lying low. They're like a snake in the grass, ready to strike. But they traded down to twelve, and then they traded back up to six, and that is the Miami Dolphins. I'm so interested to see what the Dolphins do. They own pick six, 
They own pick 18. They own uh, multiple day two picks. And I'm so interested to see. I think they need some offensive line help. They need some weapon help. Is Tua the guy, do you think? I personally think this draft Tua is the guy. I think they're giving him at least one more year. And I would not be surprised if they draft his old teammate Devontae Smith at pick six or Jamar Chase at pick six. But I think this is a draft for the Dolphins to retool, reload, and compete in a probably improved AFC East. I just want to say, though, if you're the Dolphins, you better be sure that Tua is the guy because you have two picks in the first round alone. You don't want to waste those if you're not sure if Tua is the guy. Personally, I don't think this is the time to say, oh, well, we'll give him another year and draft him, uh, like, like build around him, if you're not at least 80 90% sure that he's the guy. I just think it's a waste. I mean, how often do you see teams with two picks in the first in the first round? Yeah, I mean, I think I'm so intrigued. I personally think that they're going to try to do everything in their power to help Tua. They don't want Tua to be the sole reason they win. I think with their sixth pick, they're probably going to take what seems to be the consensus top receiver in this draft in Jamar Chase. I personally like Devontae Smith better. I like what I saw on film. He's always open. Yes, there are concerns about his stature, but he's a speedster. He's an absolute filthy route runner. I think if you look at what he did, all he did was produce, and I would not be surprised to see them pair Tua back up with his old best friend. I have to commend, the last thing I'll say about this um, is that I have to commend the Dolphins on what they're surrounding Tua with. Though Tua this year won't have a security blanket in Fitzmagic, you know, the last time they picked a tackle in the first round was Austin Jackson, and he's quietly been a very solid bookend tackle for them. 18th pick, you know, mid-first round, nothing too flashy, very solid pick. I do I do agree with you, Max. So, what do you guys think about some day three picks? Oh, God. Um, well, but... Just kidding. Yeah, just kidding. Just kidding. I'm not. I'm only plugged in until about pick 150. Or so after <laughs> after that, it sort of goes down the drain. Really, Max? I thought your sources were no, so I, deep. I, zo- I zone out. Seven. Hey, that D two. Uh, you know that D two edge rusher from insert school name here. I think he's gonna be a great hey, player for the Patriots hey, hey, one day. Forget day three picks. Who's who's gonna be an undrafted <laughs> breakout star? Philip Lindsay 2.0 baby. Speaking of which, quick plug for the running backs this draft, the top two, Najee Harris, Travis Etienne. Do you guys have any quick, real quick hitters, speed round before we get into some some of our sleeper picks, some of our hot takes? Uh which teams do you guys think could rebuild the running game? I think Najee to the Steelers. I think the Steelers have been lacking a run game, like a really, a really um, dynamic run game. Like you know, they've had James Conner, more that they had Le'Veon Bell, but I just, I think we saw last year James Conner wasn't Le'Veon Bell, obviously at least Le'Veon Bell in his prime, and the the running game wasn't enough to carry them. So I think we could see a low key pick of Najee by the Steelers. I love that pick personally. First of all, guys, if you don't have the time to watch everyone's tape uh, like I do, um, watch Najee Harris's tape. He's a physical monster. He runs people over, never goes down at first contact. Personally, think he's miles away uh, the best running back in this draft. I love the pick to the Steelers. I can't see the Jets leaving this draft without a running back. Their top back at the moment is LaMichael Pirine. Who? 
And a potentially 67-year-old Frank Gore. Uh, I'm not actually sure if he retired or not or re-signed or what. But. I actually just want to say, though, you know, Najee Harris, you know, he's great. Except if he's going up against Denzel Perryman. Then, then it's all over. Yeah. I mean, anybody against Denzel Perryman. For sure. Yeah, but all I want to say is that we've talked about Najee Harris. Seems like a great guy. Um, great, great football you know? player. Uh, yeah, personally. I'm actually going to lunch with him next Wednesday. Oh, but let me know yeah. how it goes. Yeah, yeah ne- next Grab time. his business card. Yeah, for, for sure, dude, for sure. He'll grab mine. Uh, All right, sounds good. But, but um, in any case, I think that Travis Etienne is also a guy that we have to look out for. I know that he's not quite as high in a lot of draft boards as Najee Harris. But, you know, he's a guy with the lower center of gravity. You know, a slippery dude. One guy who's going to, you know, break tackles. Um, Reminds me a little bit of Austin Eckler. Haven't seen too much of him. Um, but, you know, little low center of gravity, a guy who's going to break tackles. Um, definitely looking forward to what he's going to be able to do. So to kind of wrap up, let's each give one hot take about the NFL draft in general. Uh, Brad, start us off. I'm going to say that... I'm going to say that the Dolphins trade back down in the draft. So you're saying they traded... From three down to twelve, up to six, and they're going down to like the twenties. Why not? I think, I think some team is going to call them because there's a quarterback like Trey Lance, Justin Fields. Oh yeah, somebody else. One of the top five guys is surviving till pick six. So it's not going to be five. So guys. I think they hear an offer, and I think it's too good of an offer to refuse. And we see the Dolphins head back down. That's my hot take. I don't mind that at all. You already heard one of my hot takes that the Pats and Falcons are trading if Justin Fields is available. I'm probably going to give an even hotter take. Everybody, prepare prepare your milk back at home. Cleanse the palate a little bit because this one's going to be spicy. You guys ready? I don't think I am, but let's hear it anyway. Texas A&M's own Kellen Mond will be one of the top quarterbacks in this class. And to make it even spicier, I'll go top two. Because I think him and Justin top Fields... Top two? Yes. I think him... Not I, let, no, I, no, 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 no. Wait, sorry. Not top two. I, I do not think the human body is equipped to handle the spiciness no, of the No, 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 no. I'm not talking taken at pick one or two. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm Still, he's you're projecting Kellen Mond is going to be better than T-Law... Justin Fields, Trey Lance, Zach Wilson, all of those people. Hey, 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 to all the three listeners listening at minute 46, let's not forget about Max's extensive network of insiders. Max, keep talking. Listen, I know we talked about not being a sucker for pro day, but I'm also a sucker for the senior bowl. And I think when we have two sources to back us up, I think we're okay. And I think Kellen Mond... He's probably going to go somewhere in day two. John Lynch told you this, didn't he? John Lynch told me this. George Kittle backed it up. You can't argue Um, with that. Da Bears. (laughs) He dominated the Senior Bowl. Scouts seem to love him. Um, He's got a cannon of an arm. I think if you look at him throw, he makes some of the most impressive throws out there. Now, Now, speaking as a quarterback expert myself, I've been known to throw between 20 and 25 yards. Cannon. If he loosens up his mechanics a little bit... Talk about those mechanics. I think there's a whole new side of him that if a team invests a second-round pick in him, if they let give him a chance to sit, 
He's everything the Packers want Jordan Love to be. Hey. I think a few years down the line, he will come out here Patrick Mahomes style being slept on and dominate the NFL. You know what, Max? For your sake, I hope this hot take comes true. Kellen Mond, first ballot Hall of Famer. You heard it here first. Him and Kyle Pitts and are hey, going to be talked about. Hey, hey, speaking about mechanics, again, I cannot emphasize enough. I do not know as much as Max, who has an absolute cannon of an arm. Uh, I do not know about mechanics the same. But Brad actually here taught me the other day for any up-and-coming QBs, when you throw, make a C-shape with your hand, not a U. I'm a huge U-shape with your hand kind of guy. Um, but, you know, make make that C-shape, improve your spiral, go out there, do big things, uh, you know, perform on your pro day, yada, yada, yada. So, my my hot take. On that note, my hot take. Sorry, got a little, got in a little bit of a trance. We, we went into the motivational speaker genre yeah. for a sec. You know, I'm trying to get drafted, so I'm just in that mentality. But um, Hey, well, my, make, my make insiders say you're not getting drafted. Make what? your <laughs> dreams come true, Roy. Make wait, them come true. Wait, what? All right, anyway, my hot take, my hot take is that you've heard enough draft talk from us three, two goons, Brad and I, Max, absolute draft expert, expert, expert. I hear the NFL is about to sign him to like a reporting contract. Oh, yeah. Nah, oh, yeah. I'm, I'm free. Max, Max Rappaport. So you've heard enough draft talk for today. I'm all about that Hall of Fame talk today. I'm all about that Hall of Fame talk today. You want to hear a hot take, universe? You want to hear a hot take? Oh, boy, do I ever. Recent retiree, Julian Edelman. Hall of Famer. I think that Julian no! Edelman, for his performance on special teams, making an impact in the league, a little bit of a Butterfingers guy. I'm not. I'm more of a Snickers guy than Butterfingers, and he's more of the Butterfingers kind of guy. I will say, Julian Edelman, for punt return menace, Clutch catch against the Falcons. You know, we'll remember that forever. I think he's a Hall of Famer. Put him in the Hall of Fame. I don't know about first ballot. Put him in the Hall of Fame. Before we close off the show, I just want to add to that, Roy. As much as I want that to be true. No bias. As much as I want that to be true. No bias. I don't know. Do Butterfingers quarterbacks get into the Hall of Fame? That's a question that y'all will have to answer yourselves as you sit down and uh, digest this beauty of a podcast. So from all of us here at The Big Red Zone, have a fantastic day and thank you for listening. And I can say one thing for certain, Roey Derry will not be getting will not be getting drafted in next week's NFL draft.